<coughs> Fuck it up. Yeah, lovely. <coughs> <coughs> the Jerry Anderson Podcast with Jamie Anderson, Richard James, and Chris Dale. Have a nice birthday. I had a lovely birthday. Thank you for that amazing surprise. It's a great pleasure. How on earth did you fit it all in the box? Well, um, I'm quite the expert. Yeah, you see, are. Cramming these things in. How so. often do I have to feed it? Uh, twice daily, I'm afraid. Twice daily. For now, I mean, after six months, once once a day will be fine. And will it need repotting? Uh, probably, yeah. And uh, do yeah. I have to build it first, or does it? Is yeah. it self-assembly? Yeah. How, is, how are you going to hang it otherwise? I don't know. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. But anyway, it's lovely and warm, so thank you for that. Uh, great pleasure. Uh, so. Yes, anyway. Yeah. Uh, welcome to the Jerry Anderson podcast. It's just been my birthday. That's why we're talking He's about another that. year older. I'm a whole year older. Yes. Um, but uh, yes, you are the now uh, increasingly aged Richard James. <laughs> Good God. <laughs> yes, thank you, Jamie Anderson. Yes, thank uh, you. Co-host of the Jerry Anderson podcast, Very which is good. what this is. Yes. It's a podcast dedicated to the life and works of Jerry Anderson. It is. And we've been dedicating it for 293 episodes at this point, and this is the 200. Silly, isn't it? Which means we're very close to our 300. I thought we were going to say very close to the end then. <laughs> well, we are certainly closer to the end than we were. Mm. Uh, potentially. Yes, we must be. Yeah, I suppose so. All, all good things. Yes. Um, but for the 300th, we do have a bit of a plan, don't we? I hope that comes off. Yeah, let's not talk about it. In no, case it I'm just come saying. Off. We've got a plan. I'm not going to say what it is because it might not happen, yeah. but wouldn't that be great? It'll be lovely. Yeah. 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 We'll see. Anyway, I hope you can join us. Yeah. What? Someone who is definitely joining us. Oh, yes. Because he's poised and ready to say hello. Is he? Yeah. In his own inimitable fashion. Yeah. It's Chris Randomizer-Dale. Hi, Chris. Hi, guys. Oh. Oh. It's nice to have him along, isn't it? Yeah, he's always so jolly. A really jolly. Yeah. And always has that sort of same cadence to his voice, which I quite mm-hmm. like. That's right. It's yeah. like a doorbell, isn't it? It is, yeah. Ding Hi dong. guys! Yeah. Ding dong! Um, in fact, yeah. have you got one of those doorbells that you can program? Because I might, I might change mine. <laughs> nice. Yeah. But wouldn't it be great if it also had sort of facial recognition, so it only made that particular noise when it was Chris Dale at the door? Chris Dale has, has yet to visit me at home. <gasps> well, well. So if he does, that would be quite. But he could just <clears throat> say it then. <clears throat> anyway. Yeah, he would. <clears throat> that's true. Uh, anyway, uh, Jerry Anderson podcast. Fab facts. Uh, Podstrons, uh, first part of Chris Dale's interview with uh, David K. Barnes oh, from the Wooden Overcoats, exciting. Uh, and the randomizer all coming up. Is it is it true that I don't know if it's true or not? I just my recollection is Go that on. Chris has not done an interview since Crispin Morell. What? No, oh, you've plainly uh, forgotten. I forget John everything. Lee. Oh, John Lee. Is Was that, that your last? Though? Yeah. Okay. John Lee. So only one since John Lee. I'm surprised you don't remember that. He put a lot of effort into it. But I, I think the reason is because I wasn't here. You weren't. Didn't, here. I, didn't I leave? Right. Probably. I had to go and get my hair done. Probably you just left us to it. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway. Yes. So that was getting a, your hair done. That was. You a, say? I was joking. That was right. a pointless observation that I made. Yeah. Uh, and I will make many other pointless observations during this podcast. Well, I think there's certainly one or two coming up in the next item. I would think. Uh, almost certainly. Hey. You talking about fan facts? I am. Okay, let's bring on a pointless fab fact. Now, time for this week's fab facts. Okay, well, it's fab facts. All right, well, don't sound so excited about it. Oh, sorry. Well, it's fab facts. That's better. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll have to tolerate that, won't we? Yeah. I've got a book of fab facts. You have. You're very proud of it. Mm. 
it's well, it's quite the tone. Comes out every week. It does, yes. Whether you like it or not. Yeah. Uh, and whether I like it or not, you mm. shout fab. Yeah. Which stops me flicking on a random page, which hopefully reveals a fab fact. Whether we like it or not. Yes. Great. Are you ready? Oh uh, yeah, I think I am. Whether yeah. you like it or not. Yeah, I have. Here we go then. Fab. Nice. A bit croaky then. Nice. <laughs> yeah, it was a bit. I think I'm all right. You need to do a little bit of a vocal warm-up. Uh, yeah, I should be doing a vocal warm-up before <clears throat> every podcast, you're right. Yeah. Now, last couple of uh, weeks, we've had very long ones. Stonkers! But I'm pleased to say... Yes. ...this one is not quite as long. For you! <clears throat> we can get on with the rest of our lives. Absolutely. So, uh, as you know, the book addresses you directly. Oh, so, yes, which is a bit weird, yeah. Richard! Yes? Book? <laughs> just just say it like it's me. Oh, sorry. Yes, Jamie? Yeah, thank you. Uh, we all know that many a famous actor has had to hold down a proper job in the meantime while waiting for fame and fortune to arrive. Been there, done that. It's the actor's story, isn't it? Yeah. <clears throat> we also know that many actors had jobs previous to becoming actors, of course. Well, yeah, that happens too, yeah. Yeah. Uh, for many actors connected with dance shows, it wasn't unusual for them to have spent time in the services, uh, even seeing active duty, or, as in the case of Four for the Fool's Nicholas Parsons, being offered a posting in the Merchant Navy, but having to decline due to a nasty bout of pleurisy. Oh, wow, that's a fab fact in itself, right yeah, there. We can maybe do a pleurisy fact in the future. Week. <laughs> Perhaps, though, one of the most interesting uh, of first careers mm. is that of Space 1999's Martin Landau. Oh, right. In a 2010 interview, mm. Martin Landau revealed that he started his career as a cartoonist for the New York Daily News, ah. contributing to Billy Rose's Pitching Horseshoes column and as an assistant cartoonist to Gus Edson for The Gumps comic strip. Oh, I know The Gumps. Do you? I think I've seen The Gumps, yes. Okay, good. Lando explained, I started on the New York Daily News as a kid when I was 17 years old as a cartoonist and illustrator, uh, and I was being groomed to be the theatrical caricaturist. Oh, that's very specific, amazing. isn't yeah. it? And I know if I got that job, I'd never quit. So... I quit. <laughs> I'd go to opening nights and the PR people would give me eight by tens of the dress rehearsal uh, and I would go home and do a drawing of the cast. Nice. Uh, which would appear in a Sunday paper. Oh. If there were two openings that week, two drawings. Yeah. The old fellow who had the job was retiring and I had the ability to do it, but I knew I wanted to go into the theatre. I mean, I wanted to act. Yes. Uh, and I knew if I got that job, which was, again, a cushy job, a very well-paying job, I would never quit. Oh. So, while the pen might not be mightier than the sword, as far as Space 1999's Commander Koenig was concerned, it was almost mightier than the Comlock. Oh, yes. <laughs> wow, what we would have missed out on if he had yes. continued on that career path. Well, and for Mission Impossible. And, Mission Impossible, and, uh, the Ed Wood. All those things, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, Oscar winner, <clears throat> Martin Landau. Yes. Crikey, would have been denied all yeah. that. He may not have met Barbara Bain. No. Barbara Bain might have married someone else entirely. She might still have played Helena Russell. Mm, it's possible. Had another Koenig. Who, who could that have been? Could have been Leonard Nimoy. Leonard could have been. Nimoy and Barbara Bain. Yeah. Would he have done more sci-fi, do you think, Nimoy? Yeah, probably. Uh, yeah, he probably would, wouldn't he? Yeah. Of course he would. Of course he would have. A couple of years of Pinewood, yeah. I'd do that. Yeah. yeah. Gosh. But if you if you look online, I think there are some examples of Martin Landau's, Landau's uh, Space 1999 scripts where he has... Adorned the cover. Nice. With a load of sort of little cartoony sketches. Ah. Uh, so, yes, Potterons, do you know of any other 
careers mm. that Anderson stars and those uh, behind the camera yes. may have had in former lives. Yes. Do let us know, podcast at jerryanderson.com. Nice. But until <gasps> next time, mm. that brings us to the uh, yeah. end Go of on. this week's yeah. Cartoon, Cartoon Fact. Fact. Thank goodness. Thank <laughs> it had goodness. to be. It had to be. Yes. Lovely. That's great. Uh, Martin Landau, very talented man, I think, in all sorts of areas. Mm. I say, you know, we would have lost out on something if he hadn't been an actor, but what might we have gained if he had continued in his career as an artist? You well, see? more cartoons and caricatures, <laughs> I guess. Well, yeah, that's right. And oh, what? Caricatures. Oh, yeah. Sorry. What did you think I said? I don't know. Something about a shirt? Yes, that. <laughs> anyway. Now, every week, our wonderful podstrons get in touch with us by letting their fingers dance across their keyboards, uh, typing in the address podcast.jayanderson.com and sending us some emails. They do you do. want to hear them? Yeah, on balance, I would. Thank goodness for that. This is the voice of the Podsterons. Hello, Jamie, Richard, Chris, and all my fellow Podsterons. That's not me talking, it's Jonathan Westall. Hello, Jonathan Westall. Happy New Year. Hope you're all well and had a wonderful Christmas. Yeah, yeah, right. It's quite a while ago now, yeah. Uh, I've been really enjoying the Thunderbirds TV 21 and novel adaptation audios that you've done over the past couple of years. However, Uh we hate however, don't we? At the time of writing this, I've yet to hear the most recent release, Danger and Deception, Ah. as I'm waiting for the download-only version to be released from Big Finish this month, but I'm really looking forward to listening to it. It's a very good one. And by now, it probably has got it. You will have heard it it by now, yes, it's out. Uh, Listening to the TV21 audios has got me thinking. Have you... Me? you... Considered giving other Jerry Anderson shows that featured in the TV21 comic the same audio magic. It'd be great to hear audio versions of those, especially for Stingray with its 60th anniversary coming up. Mm. Uh, looking forward to seeing what's coming up from you all this year. Keep up the good work. F-A-B-S-I-G-P-W-O-R-1010. Jonathan Weston. Thank you, Jonathan Weston. Well, as you may recall from us talking about it last year, we finally have uh, the rights from ITV to create new mm. stories mm. Um, in audio and written form and graphic novels. Mm. So while it's lovely to revisit those TV21 stories, isn't it more exciting potentially to do brand new <gasps> narratives, brand new adventures? Well, well. So we're certainly not saying no uh, to mm. any more TV21 but you're sort of saying, why? Yeah. Aren't you? Yeah. Because, you know, it's, it's lovely to do them, to reinterpret them. Yeah. But, you know, they already exist in one form. So yeah. What, what an amazing freedom to be able to tell some new stories. So I think that's probably the focus for the next little bit anyway. But I'm really glad you enjoyed them because they were a great proving ground for, for that as a format and for the new cast and for writers mm. and all that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. So Great. Lovely. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, so I've got one from lovely Duncan Moss. Oh, yes. A very happy new year to you all and to Mummy A. Ah. Nice. It's nice that Mummy Year gets her own little Happy New Year. <laughs> yeah. I was wondering if there's any news as to these two plaques which we're going to put up on the estate where Jerry grew up and oh, attended yeah. school. What have we been talking about? I plaques? made a modest co- contribution to the project and would like to see closure of it if it's not already happened. Oh. Looking forward to a wonderful Anson Year. I didn't know there was a no. project to do blue right. plaques. It's Chris Dale, do you know anything about this? No. The randomizer doesn't know, so no. it can't. I mean, Duncan, tell us more. Yes. Email us again and tell us what this yes. is. We didn't know there was a thing. No, because we'd been talking about plaques and the criteria for yeah. them and so on over the last there couple a, of weeks. There was a guy who did the King's Arms one, yes. which yes. has now been taken down, I think. Apparently so. That's rather sad, isn't it? It's terribly sad. 
yeah, we need to do something about all of this. Mm, mm, Thanks, yeah. Duncan. Uh, Chris Davis says, Dear Jamie, right, <clears throat> I'll sit back and just read you then, shall I? If you wouldn't mind. Uh, as this year marks the 40th anniversary of the debut of Terrorhawks, I thought you might be interested to hear about a competition that was run on Channel 4's now long-defunct Oracle Teletext service. I would love to hear Do we have to explain like what a Teletext service is, or can we just plough on? Let's leave it as a mystery to those who don't know. <laughs> Back in the October of 1983, while I was still at school, I was browsing through Oracle's Blue Suede Views pages when I came across a competition offering two signed Xeroids featuring the autographs of the cast and producer, Jerry Anderson. Very nice. In order to win this, all I had to do was answer one question and send it in. This I duly did, but never having had any lucky winning competitions, I did not have very high expectations. Mm. So, you can imagine my surprise when I checked the pages sometime later and discovered much to my considerable amazement, and considerable amazement it was at the time, that I had won one. Amazing. <laughs> Attached uh, to the email are photographs of the Xeroid, and there it was, we saw that. Uh, thank you for sending it in, along with the letter from Julian Newby, the editor of Blue Suede Views Reviews. Remarkably, after 40 years, the inflatable Xeroid is still holding air, and the autographs are still legible. Hope this proves of interest, and keep up the good work promoting your father's fab legacy with kind regards, Chris Davis. That's lovely, isn't it? It really is. Yeah. Uh, which, it really uh, is. Go on. I, can I also say, yes. good for you, Chris, but I do say that with a note of jealousy. Uh, yeah, I bet you do. do you, you know why, don't you? Well, because you want an inflatable zero. I always wanted an inflatable zero yeah. when I was a kid, and they didn't they didn't have them by the time I wanted one. Oh. And so I spent quite a long time trying to make my own. Oh. So any any shop that I went to with Dad and I saw a, a, a ball, it wasn't like a football size, but yeah. a bit smaller. Yeah. I would buy it, take home, try and find a way to paint it to yeah. make it look like. Is it, and I, you know, never really succeeded. Ah. So, Chris, you succeeded where I failed. Well, well, isn't that amazing? Uh, I mean, me... is it amazing? Or well, is it... it is amazing that, 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 that he's got what you always wanted and never had. Yes, and that it's still holding air. Still holding air. Well, yeah. so are you. Thank you. Um, well, but that led me to think. Podstrons <laughs> at home. Email us podcast at jerryanderson.com. What's the strangest item that you had autographed by any cast members of any Jerry Anderson series? Keep it clean, please. <laughs> <clears throat> That'd be good to know, wouldn't it? Yeah. But very often you're caught on a bed, and it's like, oh, could you sign my book or my train ticket or something like that? Yeah. What's the strangest item that you have signed by any Jerry Anderson cast member? Okay. Let us know. Podcast at jamesdotcom. In the meantime, that's all for now. But keep them coming in on any subject at all, and we'll read them out next time. Excellent. Now, uh, caught me unawares because me I think it's probably time for both of us to oh. go and have a cup of coffee while Chris Dale gets busy with his interview. Amazing. Good luck, Chris. Good luck, David K. Barnes. David is an award-winning writer of scripted comedy and drama and creator of the critically acclaimed podcast sitcom Wooden Overcoats. As a scriptwriter and series consultant, his credits include productions for Audible, Big Finish Productions, BBC Sounds, Hattrick Productions, and ITN. He likes quirky comedy, fancy cakes, lots of velvet, and of course, all things Anderson. It's David K. Barnes! Hello. Hello, hello, David. Chris. Oh, hello. Thank you ever so much for coming to join oh, us here today. You. Now, lovely. you and I go back, I want to say, about 20 years. I'm going to say 20 years. I think we you're probably right. 20 years. And yet today is only the second time that we've second time ever we've been in the yeah. same room as yeah. each other. Yeah. Uh, that's quite incredible. That's amazing. And it's, yeah. it's a very different world we're hearkening back to when we say 20 years Absolutely. ago. Absolutely. I mean, we, this is uh, the days of... Uh, 
very much message forums. That's where Indeed. we met. Doctor Who. Message forums. Yes. Is what we met on as in our sort of uh, respective names. I believe in King Godzillac. Previous regenerations. Yes, bus. indeed. Yeah, That's right, absolutely. yes. And uh, yeah, the days of uh, internet message forums, um, where actually I believe I did my very first comedy writing was on those forums, usually That's right, based, yes. writing characters based on you. I suspect that's probably right, Absolutely, yes. Yeah. Um, I suspect, I was I not an inspiration for like a Jar Jar Binks type character? You were an inspiration in one of your, yes. for, an, for an, an even funnier Jar Jar Binks than If the you one can imagine got, such a thing, yes. got on screen. Absolutely. But even longer than we've known each other, on and off, uh, you have had a, a, a slight appreciation for not all things Anderson necessarily, but certainly Thunderbirds. Absolutely. Captain Scarlet, absolutely, and one or two other things. Indeed, indeed. No, I'd say Thunderbirds is my the very first televisual love that I think I I, I had. I remember, I would say, I basically there was a beat these repeats on BBC Two. I think probably this is early nineties, and this is like Tracy Island comes out again of all the. So I had Tracy Island. I had all of the course, toys. Yeah. My Thunderbird Two, the pod didn't have a door on it, which I didn't realise was effective until I saw somebody else's, and I went, oh. <laughs> and they did they ever make a Thunderbird Five? Did they ever? Uh, not never. in that run. No, no, they did 10 years later, the God. next time it came okay. around. Yes, so I was, but I not was in just our day. Well, I'm going to go and no. seek that out immediately after this recording because yes. I want a Thunderbird 5 for the collection. And it talks if you can find one that the battery talks. hasn't drained on. Oh, yes. yes. Which voice of John Tracy, the proper one or the one in Thunderbird 6? Uh, whichever voice artist happened to be passing the toy factory Absolutely. that day. I'm just trying yes. to lay my, my geek yes. credentials here right now. Yes. Um, but yeah, there was this, um, there's all these uh, the repeats, and I think it was my uncle who'd put together this tape, taped on BBC 2, various episodes of Thunderbirds. And that tape became a sort of holy grail for me. Like, I'd go and see my, every weekend, when my parents wanted a bit of time to themselves, they'd pack me off down the road to see my nan and my aunts, and they said, oh, keep him quiet, put the Thunderbirds tape on. So almost every Saturday. And I was delighted to watch this tape. Five episodes of Thunderbirds, which I think cemented it as the programme, which was the most exciting show ever made. They were trapped in the sky, of course, great one to open with. Oh, yeah, Why absolutely. Not? Sun Probe, which I absolutely adore. Oh, yes, I think that might even be my favourite, possibly. It's, it's up there. It could be my favourite. Mm. So, yeah, you know, hope to get into that. Uh, Operation Crash Dive, a sequel right there, yeah. episode three. More Fire Flash. P planes crashing into the waves. <laughs> Day of Disaster, the one of the rocket convoy going, and falling off the bridge, cracky one. And the last one to round it out, to cement it as the ultimate children's show, Attack of the Alligators. Oh, my goodness. What a collection. This is a dream compilation. Five episodes. It's on the most peerless television ever made right Absolutely. there on I watched that over and over again it wasn't until much later I realised there were another sort of 20, 21 no more than episodes oh, of, goodness, yeah. out there um, absolutely astonishing and so I absolutely loved this and then I as I grew up, there was Power Rangers and then Star Wars and then Doctor Who, which is still one of my great loves now, yep. to the extent I even write for it sometimes. But that appreciation for Thunderbirds, that sort of childlike thrill, is still there. And when I watched a couple of episodes on ITVX, mm -hmm. now in HD, all restored, oh, yeah. much better than the DVDs I had, and in the correct aspect ratio... Yes, very important. The correct aspect ratio, because I haven't got the Blu-rays. Without the extra sound effects. I just yeah. want the, and I watched a couple on there just to prepare for this, and I just felt five years old again. It is still an immaculate programme. Yeah, Absolutely. it's still got that magic. It's incredible just to look at these things. I mean, I've seen some of them you know, more times than I've seen. Mm. So-called legendary, the greatest film ever. You know, yes. I've, I've not seen Citizen Kane, but I've seen Day of Disaster. At least ten times, and probably. I think most people around the world should. I've, yes. I've, I think, like if Peter Bradshaw on the Guardian were to watch Attack of the Alligators <laughs> ten times in a row, I think he'd have a very different appreciation of the film and a better one, quite frankly. 
And I like Peter we're getting, Bradshaw. We're getting some meaty like, stuff here today. I, I like you, Peter Bradshaw, but Thunderbirds, come on, that's where the action's at. Sorry, carry on, Chris. Oh, that's fine. I've derailed well, this already. we've established your Thunderbirds fan credentials, yes. but now we're going to play a little game mm-hmm. that goes back even further than Thunderbirds. This yeah. is Super Identification, in which we play a, a clip yes. featuring uh, e- excerpts from the opening titles of all 18 Anderson shows. And it's your job... To identify right. each one, okay. just it's very quick. Yep. Shout out the the answer as soon as you think you know it. Yeah. Just a little bit of fun, but we will be keeping score. Of course, of course. So, torture the battery boy. Is that a thing? That's that looks like Fireball XL five. That seems too early. I don't know. That's who are you? This is astonishing. What's happened? I, is it Supercar? Hey, that's yes. one. I got one. That'd be Fireball XL5. That's right, yeah. Okay. That Stingray. Oh, oh yeah. there he is. Where's the fish jumping throughout the sea? Come on. Cracking stuff. Of course oh, you know this. I love it. Thunderbirds. P- Peter Bradshaw. That's the stuff. <laughs> uh, Captain Scarlet. He's the man. Yeah. Yes, Joe 90, of course, which I've seen some of. Uh, lots of violence in Joe 90, if mm. I recall. The Secret Service <laughs> is a show that was made. There it is. Now, oh my word, I ought to know that. No, that's gone. Totally. It, it, oh, it's the, 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 not the Persuaders, it's the other Ooh, one. Close. It's near, I'll close. I'll come back to it. That's Space 1999. Yes. The Protectors is the last one. Yep. That's Terror Hawks, maybe. Okay. I, <laughs> we can manage so retrospective, that's fine. That's, that, I, what, that was the young ones. Um, <laughs> this is g- good lord I don't even know we're nearly there oh my word I didn't know Jerry Anderson you've done more than I last is, one is the CGI Captain Scarlet yes yes okay fantastic we got some there good lord okay I, a newfound appreciation a very highly pressured newfound appreciation for Jerry Anderson right there right so David K Barnes you have scored 11 <sighs> we're going to write that on your card absolutely um, we had a whole row of previous guests' scores along the side here. We've recently rebooted that, going into the new year, and you are now the current leader. Oh, so our previous guest Ronnie LeDrew got ten, I believe. Oh, I'm 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 sorry to sort of beaten Zippy, but no, it a, no. You know, so there we go. It was a worthy fight. On the edge of the desk, <laughs> and you will remain there probably for the rest of the year, <laughs> or until we lose you. <laughs> <laughs> So, is something going to happen to me on the journey home? Well, you never know. Stranger things have happened. Right, uh, let's go back to then the, the earliest beginnings of your, your career as a writer, because yeah. I, I remember from back in the day, as you've already alluded to, you yeah. wrote various online things. I did. Um, how did you transition from that to the sort of professional world, as it were? Yes, well, I, I used to do a lot of writing online, including sort of scripts and things and this and that, and comedy sketches. And then I went to university and I moved, because I grew up in Portsmouth and I went to Edinburgh and I went to Edinburgh because it has a student run theatre and it's still there the Bedlam Theatre um, I'm not sure if the, at the time it was very much the only student run theatre in the UK there might be others now but that was absolutely there um, I, whenever I visit Edinburgh I wander by have all the memories come in and that was the first place that was sort of um that allowed me, that sort of was lax enough to provide me with a budget to put on some of the things I was writing. And I used to do sketch shows, and then I, I moved on into, into full-length plays, usually things which I would sort of come up with an idea, stand on a stage, come up with something, and then they give me a budget, and I'd have to go away and write it, which is, I can tell you, not the way it should be done. And I learnt that the hard way. I never learnt by those mistakes. 
but I did all these comedy plays and then ended up moving to London, where it is incredibly expensive to <laughs> stage a play. Yes. It's, it's incredibly expensive to stage a play in London. So around about this time, um, I think podcasts were becoming a thing, as indeed I hear they still are. They are indeed, they are. yes. And I, uh, me and some friends, they had this uh, uh, idea for a comedy film, like a short film that wasn't going to quite work out. And they said to me, well, look, you've just done a sort of a radio comedy thing at university. What about this? And we had a chat and bounced ideas around and we created the show called Wooden Overcoats, which is a sitcom set on a fictional channel island about uh, rival funeral directors. And that went on for about four seasons or so. And from that, which was done very much on a budget of two pence, you know, trying to get a studio and get lots of lovely actors, wonderful voice actors from all over the shop involved, um, from those who've been on telly decades ago to those who just, you know, actors who are very new now. Um, and uh, we created that. And from there, that sort of turned into a very happy career so far, so far, in which I've been able to write uh, other comedy programs. I now have a script edit for Audible and other places. I'm doing, I'm writing a Radio 4 play at the moment. Um, and I've done lots of little bits and pieces. And of course, Doctor Who. I've got to yes. write for Doctor Who a few times. I'm writing, for, I'm, when I go home from this, I've got to edit a script that is, was due in several weeks ago. Oh my goodness. Um, well, you we know. mustn't keep you, but we will. Yes. <laughs> So with your, your writing, um, including, as we can now say, the award-winning Wooden Overcoats... Um, it's, it's kind of you to mention that. I'm well, going to bring that. It's fine. Because um, we haven't yet won an award. Um, we, we, have, we haven't won anything. No, well, they, they so. will. I know British Podcast Awards. Best oh, fiction in 2023. Wooden Overcoats. No, I, I, can, I can talk to a few people. Oh, we're in then. Thank you. Yes. But um, g going back to things like The Anderson Shows and mm. Doctor Who... Yeah. Do you feel that those have had an influence on your writing Absolutely. career beyond just sort of like name-dropping things, slipping in little in-jokes yeah, yeah. and such? Do Absolutely, because as I know, I, I often put in in-jokes and references to sort of random... I'm, I'm fairly sure Hackenbacker has turned up in several of my scripts as a background name. <laughs> but what I would say is actually, I think Thunderbirds, honestly, is a terrific sh show. Um, I mean, obviously all are, but Thunderbirds in particular, because the 50 minutes of Thunderbirds compared to, say, the, you know, 25 of Captain Scarden, Stingray, mm -hmm. It's a wonderful exercise in dramatic structure. When yeah. you look at any really good episode of, of Thunderbirds, and you've got, you know, it, and it's, it's accentuated by those three ad breaks, the fade of black, and, you know, that's the end of the act. So four acts, act one, 15 minutes, set up a situation. Those characters, why are they important? Why do we care? What's going to go wrong? What does go wrong? Bang, straight yes. into an ad break. That's a lot to cover in a quarter of an hour. And they managed it, you know, on all those episodes. I think, is it, how many, is it 32 episodes, actually? 32, 32, 32 yeah. I got it and wrong the two films, 32 yeah. episodes in the film. Um, so you've got 15 minutes there. You then have about an extra 10 minutes of just let's enjoy the disaster a bit more. There's no point in yeah. setting it up if you're not going to have fun of it. And fun means people being terrified and more explosions. 10 minutes of that. And our heroes sit there going, oh, crikey, what are we going to do about that? You then go advert break. Fantastic. Wow, we're really excited. Into the another 10 minutes. Those 10 minutes, we're going to get our heroes there, sort themselves out. But then things have escalated even more. The building's actually fallen down or some idiot's going to throw in more sort of alligator juice into the river it's all gonna even worse will the heroes get there in time quarter of an hour at the very end this is when they come in and they save the day and it's very exciting something's about to go wrong or something goes or a, you know an elevator car tips and smashes into another commercial airline but it all eventually comes together and then bang into your end credits that is a lot of ground to cover in mm. 50 minutes but it, it the, just the the, the, the sheer the, the the sort of the machinery the construction of all that that yeah. they managed over those thirty two episodes that's how you hook in children along with all the explosions and all oh, yeah. that it's meticulous attention to structure 
and dramatic detail. And that is something I think I've always tried to keep, I've not always succeeded, but I've always tried to keep with me. And because it works in comedy. Comedy is a, most of my work is in sitcom or in sort of light-hearted comedy adventure or, or Doctor Who style, you know, fun adventure. And you need that attention to structure and detail to know, right, we can't just have half an hour of people sitting around doing nothing. You've got to have an explosion at the 10 minute mark. Yeah. You know, a Dalek needs to turn up there. You know, our character needs to lose his trousers there. You know, that kind of thing. That attention to detail, I think, has always stayed with me from Jerry Anderson from the age of five. And with Thunderbirds as well, the extra time, you, you get to appreciate the characters more. Absolutely. Not just the regulars, but it, it, I think that one of the great strengths of Thunderbirds is you wouldn't care so much if you were looking at complete strangers who had a building about to fall on top of them. Absolutely. If you have a family that you've got to know over the, the first 10 or 15 minutes yeah. of the episode, you care. Yes. In theory. Because um, I know, was, was End of the Road one of the, because I know there are about, what, 10, maybe a dozen episodes which were made as half hours before yes. they were told. Is End of the Road one of the ones that was extended? Because I remember that as having a lot of character work. Because that's the one about a chap who works for a company uh, and then is eventually he's in a truck, you know, tipping over the edge of a precipice of bombs in it. But there's a nice little bit in the middle where he goes to Tracy Island and he's sort of, you know, chatting up Tintin and they've got a thing going and Alan's a bit jealous. And, and all of that isn't necessary to get him into a, into a sort of little truck that's going to go over. Yeah. But it's nice it's there and you do care about all these people. I have a feeling, and I, if I get this wrong, oh, I'm never going to forgive myself, I have a feeling that's not one of the ones that oh, was extended, but good. I've always felt that it, yeah. it is very much, uh, you can see where yeah. the extra material would have gone in. Absolutely, because that's one where you, you also fix yourself. I suppose it, it makes sense, because one of the things toward the end, they go, how are we going to rescue this guy without revealing our identities? Because he's literally been to our house. Yes. Like, we invited the bloke over to our gaff, and now we've got to try and save him <laughs> from this truck. What do we do about that? So that's, but then you look at things, I suppose, like the the uninvited, that must be one of those ones where, which was added material because that's I when think so. Scott yes. crashes and then there's a lot of back and forth to Thunderbird 5 where we're going, yeah, that's 10 minutes, quick, let's get on with the episode. <laughs> but even that works. You know, our, our main characters, those the two guys are in this sort of a truck and they're in the desert in the middle of nowhere and they've got a connection to Scott and it, it just adds a lot. It does mm. add a great deal. You, and City of Fire, you know, that family trapped underground, you've spent a lot of time with them. Yeah. You do care about these people. This, this is an ordinary trio of people. You've got to spend time with these people. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So speaking of structure, mm. uh, we're going to look now at a clip from an episode that you have already mentioned. Yeah. Uh, this is a clip from Sun Probe, oh, and you have yes. mentioned this. Yeah. Um, a, for structure, but also B, for the way it uses music. Absolutely. So let's take a look at that. Oh, that's good. I like that. <laughs> we are now certain that the solar spaceship has been saved. I want to be the first person to say thank you to International Rescue for their... Wait, folks, here's more news. This is disastrous. It can't be true. According to the tracking stations, Thunderbird 3 has not altered course. It's <laughs> heading straight for the sun. Stay tuned. Gordon, what's to happening? They're not pulling around. Father, the retros must have failed. We've got to get through the brains right away. Look at that. It's That's beautiful, terrific. yeah. Just beautiful. Hello, father. And it still holds up Back so many years later. What's yeah. happened? Alan succeeded in saving the sun probe, but now it seems the retros have failed on Thunderbird 3, and they're heading straight for the sun. Straight for the sun? Brains. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? <laughs> Now that is, 
dramatic again, stuff. This well, the sort of structure. I, I, I was so excited, I actually hit the mic and did <laughs> thousands of pounds worth of damage. Oh, that's fine. We've got backups. Um, but that's it. The it's, it's about the structure. It's the thing that lingers a lot in my mind is the use of music. Barry yeah. Gray's fantastic music. Um, which uh, I think all the best episodes have great cliffhangers, and some probe has got three of the best ones. Oh, yeah. You know, one of them is technically like a, a zoom in on what I think is probably a light bulb, but oh my God, it's the most dramatic and exciting light bulb I've ever seen in television. Mm. Um, it's yeah, the, the use of music throughout, the, the generating of tension, um, the way that anything can be uh, made to look like the most oh my God, edge of obviously exciting programming ever made. And a lot of it, obviously, it's the attention to detail, it's the scripts, the story, the direction. The, there's so much goes into mm. it, but the music is just that extra oh, that's right there. And the voices as well. Absolutely. And the voice, it, all the, the use of sound is terrific. Every explosion sounds like, you know, I think that's the thing that gets you, the, 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 the use of sound to create, uh, particularly things like fire or things that are underwater, you know, underwater explosions that I imagine sound like, well, nothing. But yeah. in front of us, Jerry Anderson, <laughs> like Atlantic Inferno, that that is some of the most spectacular pieces of, 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 of craft, sheer craft, on, on ever put into children's television. Because, mm. um, you know, if you see, a, a, you know, an exciting sort of fire in, anim in animation or in real life, etc., that's one thing. But here, because it's sort of puppets and models, you can have an entire oil rig go, explosion. There's a shot, I think, with, the, with, you know, it's dark clouds in the background. There's an oil rig that's sort of falling down. That explodes. There's fire coming up from the ocean. That's exploding. Funnel where two's floating there. Funnel where one shoots off there. There's like five explosions on, in one frame. Yeah. And it looks absolutely apocalyptic. And yet this is, you know, the equivalent of filming in a bathtub. It's astonishing. Absolute craft and detail. And the sound going into that. So it makes sure that every explosion isn't just... But... Yeah. And all of that. And the music overlaid on that. It is an absolutely superlative sort of melding of disciplines, of talents. Um, which is, I think, one of the things when you go back to look at these... You know, you go, oh, it's just a, it's just a children's show. It's puppets and all And you watch it go, look at this. Yeah. Look at the dedication on this. I mean, a lot of the people involved with this stuff, it would have just been their day job, but they were all determined, this is going to be the best day's yes. work I have ever done. Yes. And it's all up there on screen to the extent that we are still watching this stuff yeah. 50, even 60 years later. Absolutely. I mean, I would love to, if somebody said... I mean, obviously, somebody came up to you and said, hi, you're doing a, here's your TV series, we've commissioned you, I'll, I'll take whatever I can get. But if somebody says to me, hi, here's your sort of police procedural, gritty sort of, you know, actors looking very sad in trench coats in, in the rainy day series, yeah. or we'd like to do a series where these adventurous sort of puppets end up saving the world from explosions and this, and there's a, a guy in a pyramid trying to bring down this with masks and, and all the rest of it. Like, I'll do the latter. Yeah, of course you would. Why wouldn't you want it like that? You see that all the time. Yeah. I see people in trench coats doing deals on the street every day of my life. <laughs> I don't see collapsing sort of rocket convoys and 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 and, and all of this and and rockets exploding and people going towards the sun like that clip there. Sun probe in particular, and we both enjoy that episode. Mm. That's the one where it's you know one of those wonderful episodes where international rescue get themselves in danger. Yes. And you go, okay, this is terrific. Uh, sun probe, you know, this rocket's heading for the sun. It's going there. Thunderbird freeze and pursuit. Thunderbird two has got a little buggy over here. They're doing something. This is already exciting. They're going to die. They're going to die. They're, no, they've been saved. Hooray! Fantastic. Oh, but the episode is running a bit short, isn't what it? What do we do? What yeah. do we do? I know. 
they're so exhausted on Thunderbird 3 that they can't do the switch to stop the beamy thing, and as a result, it's heading straight to the sun. They're all going to die. And given that there's no one else in space, because, I mean, well, John is in Thunderbird 5, but of course yeah. he's <laughs> no not going to do anything. To, uh, he oddly doesn't get mentioned throughout that entire episode. It's so episode. odd. You think maybe yeah. he sat there goes, finally, why won't someone <laughs> give me a ring? I can see them. I can help. No, but on Earth, in the top of a snowy mountain, Brains and Virgil are going to do something. And the build-up, the sheer build-up of tension in what is really, what you're watching is just some models being moved around and people looking at monitors with a beam. Yes. Going, not yet, no, get a bit closer. <laughs> and yet, for the sheer, you know, what we saw there, you know, about a minute of footage, it's incredibly tense. Mm. And you really get invested in that. And, of course, who wouldn't want to be yeah. writing, acting, involved in a show that can do all these magical things and then grab children and in the yeah. way that did me and inspire them for like years and years to come. Yeah, stick with them for decades, absolutely. absolutely. We are going to let you now dig into our viewers, listeners, questions. We have a selection of questions in there. So if you would like to pull out a couple of questions okay. and see what you make of those. Uh... I've got one here. Oh, I'll take Ooh, another one. Take a couple. I'll take yeah. a couple. I've, yeah, got, I've got exactly two because I follow the instructions. Ooh. Good I'm going to open this one up. And this question here says, <laughs> uh, from, uh, um, I'm perhaps this right, uh, Pij Harding. Hi, David. Hello. Uh, if you could write an episode, TV show, audio, for any of Jerry's shows, which one would you choose and why that show? Now, that is an interesting one. Part of me does think instinctively Thunderbirds. Yeah. I do like shows about... I do like shows about heroes, especially sort of people just sort of doing their... being heroic as part of their job. I think it's very easy to get caught up in villains. I think it's interesting that I personally think in Thunderbirds, the episodes, that, you know, we have a regular recurring villain. He's the Hood. He's got six episodes. Apart from Trapped in the Sky, not necessarily the best ones. No. I think the best episodes of Thunderbirds usually come about where the disaster has happened. Usually it's through, nat you know, natural, you know, grace of God, something's gone wrong. Or it's usually some sort of you know, financial malfeasance where somebody has ended up not sort of, uh, you know, they, they, they've underwritten that or they've done something dodgy here and actually, well, that's a bit of a thing. And, oh, then, yeah, we filled up that pit. Oh, actually, did we fill up that pit? Oh, no, a sidewind <laughs> has fallen into it. No, we should have done something about that. Oh, no, the budget wasn't there. Oh, what have we done? That's where a lot of the stories come from. And most of it is about heroes trying to do what they can to save people's yeah. lives, and I like that. But, oh, I would be very, very tempted to do a Captain Scarlet. Yes, because there's Captain a Scarlet, lot of scope there. There's a lot of scope there. I want to do the episode where Captain Magenta finally just like takes over and Cloudbase <laughs> just plummets within oh, minutes. Oh my goodness, yes. Captain you can immediately see that, can't you? Absolutely. Yes. Do we have time to talk about Captain Magenta? We will be talking will be about talking Captain Magenta, Captain Magenta. not this week. Uh, we'll save him for next fantastic week. Uh, he can be the, the bulk of next week's there's, episode. There's a lot. I mean, 20, at least 20 minutes of yes. Captain Magenta is what the, <laughs> what the listeners, the viewers want. So who have we got for our next our question? Next question. Second question here. Uh, Richard Goodborn, which Anderson property, aired or unaired, would you like to bring to life in your style? Ooh. Ooh. I suppose you don't know too many unaired. Not the unaired, things, no, no. But I, I, I have, but, you know, of course, as well as Thunderbirds is the big one. Captain Scarlet, of course, I know very, very well. Yeah. I have seen, you know, Stingray Joe Ninety, the Secret Service, the Protectors, and so on. I don't know the the, the Protectors. I've always wanted to do a show like one of those ITC action adventure series. Yeah, because they and I'd like to do them very because I always enjoyed the Persuaders with that sense of humour. The Department Department S. So I'd be tempted by the protectors, but again, oh, 
Well, you've already answered Scarlet for the previous answer. We have. And so, so, you know, I think, you know what, I think I could, I think I could do a bloody good job with Thunderbirds. And you know what, oh, because yeah. I've seen the films. I've seen the films. Thunderbirds Argo, Thunderbirds 6, Thunderbirds 2004. Oh, yeah. None of them quite did the thing I want, which is you no. want several rescues with all the Thunderbirds in them. That's what you want. Yeah. You, you want, oh, we, we've got a space rescue on there, but at the same time, oh, blimey, something's there. And, you know, that giant crab is going to attack that. So Thunderbird 4 is, we <laughs> hope that works out. You want all those things happening at the same time. So I would quite want, I'd love to do, you know, I want to do a Thunderbirds movie. I want to do it, I want to do it with the puppets again. I want, yep. that. I want it all sort of tactile, you know, tangible stuff. I mean, of course, if somebody gives me the budget for the CGI version, of course I'll, of course I will deign to do the multi, multi-million pound CGI Thunderbirds movie, but give us a bit more so we can do the puppets. Let's yeah. do that. And I want to do the good Thunderbirds movie, building upon the good work of the originals, but that involves all of the characters and all the Thunderbirds and all the rescues and really, and you know, if Cliff Richard wants to be in it, I'll still let him. Yeah, I'll fine. still let him, Cliff. You, Cliff, darling, I'll let you go in there, but we are going to have all the Thunderbirds doing stuff and all the pod vehicles. I mean, come on. We've got to have the monobrake somewhere. Of course, yeah. It is strange, what? though. Yes, we've had three big screen Thunderbirds adaptations yeah. and they are all... Alan Tracy is the greatest guy in Absolutely. the universe. Whatever you think of the 2004 yeah. movie compared to the Super Mario Nation stuff, yes. none of them, as you say, quite got the whole, you know, we're there for all of them, Absolutely. not just one one character. I think that's it. And you've got all the characters. You'd ser I'd certainly find something for, for John to do. I yeah. always liked liked John. He only got one rescue. <gasps> Ooh, and, and you all... have a fan out there now. I'm glad because yes. John Tracy, I, I know that... Uh, Jerry wasn't a, a, as big, a big into him as perhaps I was, but he only got one rescue in which he got to go onto a boat, mooch long, go, yeah, you're doing that all right, and yeah. he pissed off again. Yeah. Like, come on, John, you've got more to offer than that, son. And I will <laughs> make sure he gets yeah. it in the film, which I am doing, once you finance it, please. You heard it here I, first. I want a job, please. <laughs> please. So as a writer, as a, an editor, um, does your experience in that field kind of affect the way you view the shows? Um, do you, can you watch them uh, completely, you know, just accept them for what they are, or is there part of your brain that's thinking, oh, hold on, yes. I would maybe, no. I think that it, it, it's, um, of course, um, I have an even greater appreciation than I did before, because I now know what goes into that and, and everything that, that happens, and how if you can get any television show made, that's a miracle. Making mm. a good show is an even bigger miracle. Yeah. And so I've always uh, been able to appreciate everything on the craft of it. I think what happens is when I'm watching an episode, say I watched two episodes last week, one in which I absolutely adore and one which I'm not as keen on. And the one I loved was Operation Crash Dive. I yeah. think it's a terrific episode. And I just watched that. I thought, yeah, I'll, I'll see. I'm going to do an interview next week. Let's see. And I just watched it for now again. <laughs> the plane's <laughs> crashed. <gasps> There's water everywhere. <gasps> God's putting cables together, that's incredibly dangerous. And it was very, very exciting, I just, and I didn't, um, there was no critical faculty in my head. I was just watching this most exciting aviation-involved sort of disaster thing happening, and Thunderbird 4, and all of that. And then I watched uh, Danger at Ocean Deep, which is not oh, yes. my favourite episode. It does no. feel like one which has not quite got enough plot to go. And as soon as the, the tension breaks, I start to think, well, okay, that's what, why have we got the strange bit where Scott launches and so does Virgil to go on the rescue we don't see. Mm. And then we go for all of Thunderbird 3 goes up there to pick up 
John to come down again. We see all of that again. And I think this is this is padding, isn't it? This and is... that's before we even get to the subplot about the dog food. Absolutely. And yes. then somebody would go, yes, I wonder where that dog food, we think it's probably here, but let's send Lady Penelope to chat to this, this nice old buffer about it. And she says, yeah, you're absolutely right. It is. And they go, right, well, I guess that ship that's been heading to disaster for the last half an hour we've done nothing about, we should probably get on that. And they yeah. do. And then you go, okay, we've got there. And the rescue's not that exciting. It's just sort of like hovering cut in and presumably get up a ladder. I mean, as far as I can see, they probably just push them over the side and let them swim for it. Yeah. We don't see them. But it's, and that's when you do, I sit and go, this is where it doesn't work, where you haven't, you know, you've made a bargain of your audience that at the 10, 15 minute mark, this will happen. And then there's the bit of this and the escalation, all the structural stuff I talked about before. Mm. And that sort of, it sort of breaks the rules. It's not as exciting as it should be. It's an attempt to do something different. And other episodes of Thunderbirds attempt to do something different, very successfully, like The Imposters, very, yeah. very successful deviation from from the form um, the cham cham you know those episodes oh, yeah. that do something a little bit different even Alias Mr Hackenbacker like bizarre episode I have a strange affection a fondness yeah. for it but that's when I do and I go oh I'd like to do that differently oh I'd like to jump in there and then you start applying things that would probably be far beyond the scope of the time but that's mm. when I do my script editor hat comes on yeah. and my writer of oh give me that script I'll do it there you go <laughs> and that's going to come in and then there's going to Thunderbird 4 has got to be it's called Danger Ocean Deep where's Thunderbird 4 come on you yeah. don't know your job I'll do it for you that's where it sort of comes in and that's <laughs> but very it's, it's too late to do anything and about and it it's very now. insulting I mean they were writing about God knows I don't know what deadlines they're up against I mean yeah. and, you know, the writer of that episode he might have been getting married the day after that he had to quickly hurry up the script I don't yeah. know what pressure he was under and I apologise <laughs> And on that note, let's go into our, our questions oh, tin yeah. again. We've got a couple more uh, questions I've, you can I, have. I, I've picked yes. up. I've picked up. I, I, I picked up. Two, I picked up a couple. Two, that's exactly fine, again. Yeah. A couple. Sophie Davis. Hello. I love wooden overcoats. Terrific start. Is there something <laughs> that would uh, that would do differently if you started all over again? If I did the, I suppose I would do the series over again. Um, I. You know, I'm not entirely sure that I would... There is a part... Season one of Wooden Overcoats, again, this is a series about rival funeral directors on a, on a channel island, and I do think that we managed to get... We did four series of this overall, um, which is all set on an island, not quite like Tracy Island, but it is an island with an impossible number of things in it, so that's probably a bit of... Uh, from, from Thunderbird's viewing. Um, I think the one thing I changed is I did... Um, I. Something I don't believe does Thunderbirds ever do a murder mystery? I don't think it quite. I don't think it does. Oh, do I the scope for it. The scope. Yeah. So I think that season one of Wooden Overcoats eventually ends with a kind of mystery thriller plot, and it it it, it it's. I mean, it's rubbish. It doesn't work at all. It's, it's just <laughs> everything else in that in that series is terrific. It's it's some of the most peerless radio comedy you've ever heard, Commissioners. The last episode I do differently because I did I, I, I pushed ourselves into a sort of a yeah, murder mystery kind of element, which is actually very hard to do. Mm. And I've actually had a conversation with um, a writer recently who think who had the opinion that um, a a fully comedy murder mystery is almost impossible to do because comedy requires that you under you understand the context perfectly so you can see, oh, that character's going to get in trouble there. Whereas a murder mystery requires you to withhold information from mm. the audience. So it's hard to do both of them. And I tried to do it, and I can tell you, I failed. <laughs> and I didn't do it again. Every other episode of that series is perfection. But I, I did drop I, I dropped the ball on that one. Oh, there. So that's I, what I do it, it didn't show. I mean, I've only listened show. to... Yeah. I think I've listened to the whole series, but yeah. only once. Only. It, it is on my radar to go back to. That's, I, so will, I will listen with a fresh ear on that yeah, final it's, episode. Once you get to that yeah. episode, you can sit there and go, oh, David, you're right. You've tried. <laughs> you 
delete all well, of Well, I'll them. let you know. Yes, I'll let you know what I think of that. I've one more question for this week. Yes. This is a very good one. Uh, this is succinct. From Simon Moore, why audio? Ah. Question mark. Why audio indeed? Um, originally, it was because it was the only place I could get work. Yes. So that's a good, very important one. But why persist in it? Well, at the time, um, I had uh, I had a stage comedies on in, in London, and um, it is incredible. As anyone who's worked in, on the on the fringe or done anything to do with theatre uh, knows, it is very very difficult to get people to deviate from their path off the street and go into your theatre and watch what you have done. And it is a huge financial risk uh, mm. to do it. And my producers had been really trying very hard to get people in there and they did so well. It, it, it sold out and it was a wonderful um, show and the, the production team did absolutely wonderful work. I'm, you know, I'm so delighted. Um, and even then, the, the, the audience that we managed to get on this sellout run was still less than that who downloaded an episode of Overcoats that right. day. And there was something about audio that the international element, that you could make something that could be heard around the world. Our largest listener base was in America. We had American listeners, but we had listeners everywhere. So that was element. But also audio as a, as I what Simon means more, as a sort of a, a storytelling medium, as a form in itself. I think audio, they always say it's intimate, it allows you more imagination, it's, you know, the, the pictures and people's heads are better than et cetera. What I do think it allows you to do particularly well is to create a world, the boundaries of which are practically impossible to actually realize in, in television or film or whatever. But because it's audio, you could just get away with it. We have an island, Piffling Vale, uh, Piffling Vale, the village on the island of Piffling, has a safari park, it's got mountains, it's got waterfalls, it's got this, it's got shops, it's got other versions of itself, and yet the island is specified as being a mile wide. Yes. And it's an impossible amount of stuff. And I don't think we could do that in any medium. So there's a playful quality, a playful quality to audio that I don't think you can get quite like that in any other medium. Um, it's also a wonderful medium for meeting people because there are a lot of, you know, uh, all actors, terrific, terrific actors, They'll look at, say, television or a film and a stage, and it will take a certain amount of time to come in, to rehearse, to, to, to do that, and you go, well, that's going to be a month to do that. So audio, you can get an actor to come in and be uh, a captivating hero for a 10-part epic and get all their stuff done in two days yeah. in a studio. They don't even have to, you know, they don't even have to get dressed. No. If they don't want to. They can wear, a, great joys they can wear yeah. a barrel, and they can still be a king in some yeah. faraway fantasy epic. And so people come in and do it, and then they get really into it. And there's a play, that again, that playful quality of, I didn't need to quite devote a month's worth of resources to this, but I can come in and go, right. And I think the best voice actors are those who still treat the gig as any other sort of, as television, film, or stage, but they know, oh, with voice alone, with the, with, the, with the sound, the quality of audio, of a voice with the effects, you can conjure up so much. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I saw one, you know, I had lunch only today with one of your, one of your guests from a previous episode. Yes, indeed. Yeah, Ronnie LeDrew from the uh, last two weeks. Yes. And I asked him about what it's like to create a, a voice for like a puppet or a vi visual thing. And of course, he's somebody who, you said, you look at it and you, you intuit, you play, you do it, but he has an, an instinct. Voice actors, great voice actors, like the actors they had in uh, Thunderbirds, Captain Scarlet, they have a, uh, an innate intuition and facility for going... What is the voice? What does it need to do? How do I make that happen? Then how do I deliver that in the way which hasn't quite been heard before? Mm. And I think that's it. There, there's a certain... When you don't have to run around and go, oh, we've got to build the sets, we've got to do the costumes, oh, crikey, how do yeah. we do this? And Oh, there's a special effect. When you can concentrate just on how is it heard, 
you can really dig down into how a story comes alive, how characters come alive, how writing facilitates that in a way which I don't think you can quite do in that way in any other medium. And that's why I find it a very, very, very exciting medium. It, I wish it paid more than it does, <laughs> but it is still very exciting. It's one of those mediums as well where if you find it isn't working on its feet, you can sort of sort of pull it apart Absolutely. on the fly. Not greatly, but yeah. you can It does can allow, I think, in the way that if you are, if you shoot something on a, on, a, on a set and you go, oh, well, that set doesn't work, well, you've got to rebuild something mm. else and get everyone back in. If the set didn't work on audio, you change the background sound file. Yeah. And, then, and then obviously and there's it. a lot more complexity as well. I've, there, there are editors out there who have just hit the roof. I know it's much <laughs> more complex. I've seen my producers at work and I could not do that at all. But I dare say even they'd say it's simpler than if you were doing that in television. Mm. You know, um, well, speaking of wooden overcoats, which of yeah. course started on audio, we will be yeah. touching more on wooden overcoats next week. Yeah. But we'd like to get a little bit of it in this week. We have got a trailer for the live shows. Was this during series three you started doing know. live shows? I don't know. We'll find out. When you're half back. Now, embarrassing enough, I'm wearing exactly the same clothes in that clip <laughs> as I am today. That is not a problem. Can you imagine that I, I've worn this countless times in this room? Nobody I don't get the impression that I only have one set of clothes, but I also can't say that I don't. So. It is a far more extravagant set of clothes than <laughs> any of us are, are currently attired in. So, yes, we will return to Wooden Overcoats next week for part two of this interview, uh, including touching on uh, one or two Thunderbirds references snuck into Wooden Overcoats. But before we go, where can our listeners uh, find you, keep tracks of you? If they can you keep track of me at the moment. The best place is my website, which is W www.davidkbarnes.com and I am on various social media things as well but you'll probably find them best through there at the moment I'm on Instagram and Blue Sky and I think there are another 10 social media things being introduced right now yes. probably during this recording So, but www.davidkbarnes.com is where you'll find me and I look very much like this there are pictures of me doing that it's, it's this, it's this but more of it and of course, Wooden Overcoats, much like the Jerry Anderson podcast, is available on all good podcast platforms. It absolutely is. And even one or two less reputable ones. Terrible ones. Yes. yes, they all want it. They all want it. Same with us. So, it's yes, incredible. find Wooden Overcoats on your podcast app of choice. Fantastic stuff. So, David, you'll join us again next week, I trust, for I more will. of this. Well, I'll go home now. Well, yeah, go home, come back. Oh. And in the meantime, this has been the first part of our interview with David K. Barnes. Thank you very much, David Thank K. You. Barnes. What a nice man. What, Chris? No, yeah, David. Not. Oh, David, yes. Yeah. Chris, Chris is all right. But, and yeah. a wealth of Anderson memories and knowledge, too. Well, as you'd expect for a guest on the Jerry Anderson podcast. Well, quite right. Although some of them, not so much. Yeah. yeah. But right. that's nice. Yes. Well, Chris will be back next week with uh, his second part of his interview with David, so we'll get to hear some more of his Anderson memories and thoughts. And yeah. also, what he's up to now. Wooden Overcoat's big success, award-winning, mm. nonetheless. Uh, but he has a few other irons in the fire as well. Oh, I bet he does. Mm. I bet he does. We'll hear about those. And more Chris Dale later. Oh, yes. We just can't get enough of it, can we? Yeah, can't get rid of him. <laughs> no, that's what it is, more mm. like. Uh, now, over on our YouTube channel, beneath Pod 291 a couple of weeks ago, yes. that was the second part of my interview with Prentice Hancock. Yes. Uh, Ian Dini said, I really enjoyed the two-part interview with Prentice Hancock, and I also enjoyed listening to, in block capitals, 
Thunderbirds Operation Asteroids during Christmas. Ah, oh, what a nice Christmas gift. Yeah. Uh, Cuddy Wifter. I bet you what did you call that me. That is rude. Says, great to see Prentice again after Space 1999. The next time I saw him was uh, as one of the police ghouls in the horror movie Monster Club in 1981. That's very niche. Yeah, it's a clip I didn't show. No. Yeah. Uh, Don M says, my favourite part of Space 1999 episode, The Last Sunset, is when Paul got hooked on the moon shrooms. <laughs> Fasc- yeah. Fascinating capitalization in that comment uh, yeah. as well. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and Alan Jones yeah. says Prentice got to flex his acting muscles a bit in the last sunset. That's right. Yes. Meanwhile, uh, an individual uh, comments about the fab fact that week, which was about left hand and right hand vehicles. I don't know if you remember how that was a fascinating fab fact, it I was, seem to remember. I think, yeah. In UFO specifically. Mm. Well, says an individual, only some of the vehicles in UFO were left hand drive, many were right hand drive, so continuity error. It was okay in 1970 because we had no way of replaying the episode. That's true. I think they're suggesting that perhaps programme makers got away with things a little bit more because you only saw them once. It was like, wasn't that? Oh, no, never mind. Missed it. But now we can pick it to pieces. That's right. I took to Twitter a couple of mm. weeks ago oh, because... No. What did you do? A rant? No, it wasn't a rant. Uh, I had a dream. Yes. I dreamt that Martin Landau wanted to kill me, I tweeted. I think I recall. Yes. Uh, he was standing in my kitchen in full space 1999 uniform throwing <laughs> saucepans at me. And that's true. That's what I dreamt. Panderson. With quite a look in his eye. Panderson, yeah. exactly. Uh, Lloyd said, did you manage to get him to sign any of them? Oh, probably not. <laughs> uh, Mr. Brown Alliance tweeted, rejected Freddy Freiberger script. Orcs, yeah. Sounds like possible. it. Adragon says, hmm, season two episode. Yeah, I detect a theme here. People are clever, aren't they? Simon G says, anyone got a Ouija board? We'll need to call on the expertise of Sigmund Freud. Although I suspect all he will say is, Mr. James, have you been having other dreams about Helena Russell? Never. I never have. Never? No. Gosh. Only Martin Landau. Well, that's good to know. Yeah. Uh, and finally, Chris Dale himself tweeted, I smell a fab fact here. Oh. Yes. Mm. Fact. Could happen. Uh, yeah, all for now. Uh, keep them coming in. Comments beneath the YouTube channel are always interesting to read, and uh, <laughs> some of them more interesting than others. And also, we don't really read out tweets anymore because, well, a few people have left X recently, mm. and people don't seem to tweet so much about the Jerry Anderson podcast. Fair enough. But if you do, hashtag it Jerry Anderson podcast, and I'll read that out too. Yeah. Have you been on threads? I think I signed up for threads, and I think I posted a, a GIF of Nicholas Courtney, and I left it at that. Well, that's the best way to do on all these social platforms, really. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, now, I, I think it's time that we kicked back, put up our feet, mm-hmm. make, made ourselves a nice cup of coffee, and let Chris Dale and David Barnes uh, have a go at the old randomizer. Quite right, too. Shall we? More Chris, please. Over to you. So, David, thank you ever so much for joining us here in Slough today. Um, we have here the randomizer with every single Jerry Anderson episode ever made in it. There's a button right there. There is. I think you'd like to press that, wouldn't you? Here we go, folks. What's he going to produce for us today? Thank oh. you. Well done. That's all right. It doesn't actually move as well as it used to. We used to have a big red button. It's had a bit of a rebuild. Yeah, it's fine. So, uh, we seem to have Heart of New York, which I believe is an episode of... Captain Scarlet and the Mr. Oz. What are the chances? Thank you very much. Here's Captain Scarlet. Well, David, thank you for agreeing to sit through this with me, as it was your pick on the randomizer. It's only fitting that you uh, watch this. Can you remember when we used to watch episodes together remotely? Uh, It was on MSN Messenger, wasn't it? My goodness, back in the day. Yes. Um, 
pre-broadband, pre-anything really. Uh, watching this on DVD and firing comments now, back and forth. Why is the cat shooting Captain Skull? That is a question that we we don't really have time to go into. No, we I don't, don't think. No. As a, long a as cat he... stalks along a street, turns yep. around, shoots Cat Skull. Ah, there he is. Francis Matthews. Indeed. <sighs> it's quite a slow opening to this one, isn't like it? This man is... from MI5, Lady Penelope's going to come buy on her yacht. Yes. But again, instantly you look at this and think, oh my goodness, the craftsmanship that goes into even yeah, this. Yeah, the fact that yeah, it's like a, yeah, a night sort of a night shot by the sea, it does look beautiful, doesn't it? Mm. This is. And the fact that it's on Blu-ray as well. I mean, the DVDs were, yeah. were good for their time, but the fact that you can see detail in this, that just stands out. And there's this uh, Spectrum Security chappy defending a... Uh, well, we will come to know that this is the Spectrum Security Vaults. Um, because we do know that Spectrum Security Guards, by and large, are... Yeah. Yes. Drawn from the Captain Magenta School. Indeed, uh, yes. And this episode will highlight that quite, uh, quite spectacularly. But we have some sneaky chaps in a, a submarine. Uh, and again, this is one where I'm glad that they restored it in HD because on DVD I could never quite make out yes. what that thing actually was. No, I was. don't think I've ever seen that bit before. No. Oh, nice. I thought it was a kitchen. No? <laughs> Come on. No, I'm sorry, there's no one else around. No one wants to talk to that guy. Oh. Yeah, even there, I can't make out what that actually is meant to be. It does remind me a bit of, uh, is it Octopussy, when Roger Moore yes. is in the, yeah, the, the there's a crocodile. crocodile. Yeah, the crocodile, yeah. it flips up. Yes. We've got Still, a couple of pairs of footsteps. Suspense. There's suspense. Yeah. I don't know what's happening, but no. you know, there's intrigue. I'll pass on the message in the morning. Note-taking? Note-taking, yeah. doing a shopping list from the wife. <laughs> the guard's coming out. Uh, Give me the disc. And this puppet on the left was always playing villains. Yeah. I have a feeling the one on the right only appears in this episode. Uh, ah. So they've now thrown down a thingy. <laughs> <laughs> nice little kicked in. It's been thrown down in front of our officer. And meanwhile, this Spectrum security guard is just enjoying the night air. And now there's a flashing light to look at. I do like the, the wetsuits that they have in Superman. Yes. Yeah. There's a, a nice sort of sleek, slightly, slightly kinky aspect mm. to divers in the series. Yes, I think, again, those costumes are probably reused across multiple series. But oh, here's a obviously suspicious thing. What does my training tell me to do with it? Don't do that. <laughs> right. Okay. No, no you think, right. At the very least, tap it with a broomstick. Yes. From a distance, no? Or alert your colleague. Although they've established there's no one else. No, it's a shame. <laughs> it's, again, this sort of the, the John Tracy Thunderbird 5 style of surveillance. You keep one person yeah. by himself <laughs> at a very important location. And you leave the vital keys in the desk inside. Wait for the gas to clear. <sighs> well, that, that's sensible at least. Yeah. Right. And speaking of dramatic close-ups, you mentioned during your interview. Yes. This is a classic. Yeah. Zoom. Zoom. Straight into the <laughs> Oh, poor guard. He'll be out for about a half an hour. Oh, good. How long will you need to open the strong room? 
About ten minutes. Carl gave me all the detailed drawings. That's Gary Files' voice, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I'll get the equipment. Right. And, I'll, I'll and he is, an, I think, an underrated voice artist in these shows. And he's one of those where you can't always be sure whether it's him or not. There's no. one or two where they're, they're just so good at yeah. disguising themselves. Well, I've taken care of the alarm system. One little bang in the right place and she's open. Get back behind the table. It's a terrific voice cast. All oh, these all round, yeah. Yeah. You know, it took me a very long time to know that David Graham. I knew he was Brains and Parker. It took me a long time to realise he was Gordon. And it's so... Because Gordon is just Brains without a starter, but I never got yeah. that. You know, there's still characters David Graham plays. I go, is that really him? Yeah. We've done it. The door's opening. It also took me a long time to realise that you were hearing multiple... Hearing the same voices across multiple shows. Like, I, I didn't realise until, I think it was an episode of this, and suddenly hearing Captain Grey, and I thought, oh, right, that's Steve Zodiac's voice from Fireball XL5. Why is he there? A great format, this. Doing this every week over the opening credits. Yep, but, over the characters as well. But we are getting story, and it's different every week. Mm-hmm. Like, the idea of the villain tells you what they're going to do each week is, on the face of it, a, a strange choice. But the War of Nerves does justify it, and I think this is a terrific yeah. format. It is one of those elements of the series that does get criticised heavily, that you know, they, they basically phone up their opponents at the start of each yeah. week and say, this is what we're going to do, try and stop us. Yeah. But it is... That's the point. Yeah. That's what it, they it works very well. And this, this just always looks beautiful. Very oh, chilling. Black. There he is. Terrifying mask. Absolutely terrifying. <laughs> Children's programme. Oh, yeah. So when was the last time you actually sat down and watched an episode It's been of a while, because I watched... See, I watched an episode of Thunderbirds last week to prepare for this. I've not seen any Captain Scott for quite a while. You know, it has been a number of years. Actually, I, I, I got the um, Volume 1 Blu-ray. Oh, yeah. So I've seen it a few years ago. Great A security. This guard must feel like an absolute plonker. Oh, yeah. Whoever opened this strong room door knew just what they were doing. But he's that puppet um, playing the guard had been Spectrum guards in previous episodes, and obviously they've just you know, plonked him down there. But I like the fact that he's just gone from failure to failure to failure, <laughs> never gets a break. But this is sweet. I love the rainbow colours shooting out of his. Back. How is he? Is he, is he all right? Gas, but he's fully recovered. I'm glad to hear it. Go on. I, I like to think he's wearing those colours. He's yes. like a peacock. They never quite make sense, though. There's a, there's a red one and a blue one. There's a green one. There's a goldy one. But then we've got lots of other colours that don't, don't quite fit the, the line-up of captains. Well, it doesn't sound like the work of the Mistrons. I wanted you to check it out first, but now I think we can leave it to the Spectrum Police. I love that as well. I don't think they're mentioned in any other episode. Yeah. Spectrum police. <laughs> I can't be bothered. <laughs> Get someone else. Yes, Colonel, we'll leave immediately. Oh, nice bit of aeronautical model shot. Mm. It's nice as well that we get an opening sequence that doesn't seem to tie in with the, the larger story. Because I think this is a clever idea in its concept of the criminals. Um, Yes. It's rare that you get any sort of sense in this show how much the general public know about what's going on. Yes, absolutely. No, it's, yeah, because the opponent, once you've got the Mistron, it's quite difficult to get somebody else in. Mm. But actually... Kruger and I risk our necks to get a heap of useless paper. 
How was I to know what was inside? And again, some magnificent hotel rooms, offices, and similar in this show. Very big, very spacious. Nice little thin ties. Tiny knot. Tiny knot, that man. Storing something more valuable than papers. Isn't that reasonable? Will you two stop arguing? Have either of you read any of these documents? This is interesting as well because he mentions. An eyewitness account of a Mr. Henri construction, which I don't think you ever see anyone in the series no. watching as Captain Black bumps someone off. They can destroy an object or person and reconstruct them for their own. It's also interesting that nobody seems particularly bothered that there are alien body snatchers. Reconstruction as it actually happened. Very interesting material, but it doesn't help us. Unless you're thinking of writing a book. I Not a book, maybe a play, ah. and we'll all be in it. I think I know how to make the Mistrons work for us. It's a nice idea for a story. God, these, these very grubby, this looks like yes. a very poor part of town. There's a newspaper stand there as well, and in HD you can see it says something like, Himalayan disaster, telescope write-off. Oh. Do you remember yes. there's an episode yes. in the Himalayas with a telescope? which would have been made before this. Shadow of Fear. Shadow of Fear, that's yes. the one, yes. And I'd never noticed that before the Blu-rays came along. Detail. No, that's the sort of detail you'd never notice. No. And also the newspapers are going along, no, being blown in the wind. Yeah. It, it's detail that they never would have had to put in. No. But they did it because they were professionals. Bank, New York. The gold reserve for the whole eastern seaboard is held in there. Thanks Do you think it'll us? work? Sure it'll work. Inside an hour? We will all be Mr. Rons. I do love, as well, the, the plan within a plan element going yes. on here. That the Mr. Rons don't really need to do much with this. No, they just sit back and go, well, yeah, we'll just let this go on. We have this whole plan scheduled, but no, if they're going to you know, crack this going, then, uh, yeah. Oh. Hey, buddy, I think we spotted a fire. Whereabouts? Come down here. I can't hear you. Right. Um, no. <laughs> it is a running theme with this episode, Very trusting. Yes. Security guards and people who really should know better. Well, you must get quite a view from up there. Here, pal. Have a drink. No thanks. You said you saw a fire. The man said have a drink. Look, quit um. playing games, will you? <laughs> Pull off the road and sober up. Are you insinuating I'm drunk? It is a slightly uh, grown-up element to this there scene is, as well. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I, you know, I sometimes write for sort of licensed properties based on your family, stuff like Doctor Who, etc. You're not allowed to have references to alcohol or drink no. in those. You know. And so actually here, you know, that's that time when you could throw in alcohol. You could have the entire episode about yeah. Mr. On's spiking champagne, and that's your 25-minute family. Well, one of these guys was smoking a cigarette earlier, and yeah. you wouldn't get that now. Um, Gosh, we sound old now, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> back in our days. Oh, dear. Right, get the dummies out of the trunk. If we can roll Dumb. the car down to that clearing, it'll be in full view from the tower when it goes over the air. I love that they've got the resources to throw, not only throw dummies of themselves yeah. together, yes. they've gone out and bought yep. re replicas of their own clothes, yep. and they've got a spare car from somewhere. <laughs> But it, it's just, yeah. as a kid, you don't think about yeah. how this, the plan doesn't quite come together. Yes, at the moment you think, okay, your plan is, you're going to make yourself look like Mistrons. This is quite convincing. Mm. I wonder how that will help you, as opposed yes. to bring down Spectrum on your shoulders straight away. 
I mean, presumably, someone investigated the wreck yeah. and discovered, oh wait, this isn't human remains. Yeah. This is burnt plastic. Although, considering this is Captain Scarlet, there are Absolutely. a lot of car wrecks yeah. that never get yes, discovered. Car yes, car Yes! Ah. Crash. Oh, dear. And again, because they're meant to be dummies, yeah. you can get away with a slightly more grisly detail of yeah. these bodies that aren't really bodies. <laughs> oh, no, the bodies have fallen out. Yes. Because we've established in the Captain Scarlet universe, every road leads to a cliff. Ah, there we go. So look at that. What a great experience. It's All incredible. the fire. Yeah. So I just sound like a channel. All the fire. <laughs> That's what you've had. The car sailed right over the edge. They didn't stand a chance. They must have all been... Why is his hat he doesn't wear? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I saw the whole thing. I suspect right. that could be a leftover oh, hat from the, uh, the Lodge episode, the Hunting Lodge. <gasps> oh, they're back. I saw you. You were all killed. The crash, the fire. You're wrong, Earthman. Tell the authorities we Mistrons intend to destroy the Second National Bank of New York. Tell them that when you wake up. Oh, so, this is on. A, so you're, you're diverting all security forces, one would have thought, to the place you intend to be. Yes. As opposed to like sending them to the other to a different city or the yeah. other side of the world. Well, it was the threat was New York, wasn't yeah. it? But yeah, New York is a big place. Yeah. Uh, so I hear. Uh, there's so many places they could have sent them, but yes. Seems the Mister Three men and intend to destroy the. Oh, God, that's it. This is the first time seeing it in HD. God, that's the very vibrant. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to risk Spectrum lives trying to save a bank. Put me in touch with Captain. <laughs> a socialist in white. <laughs> You're thinking the bank managers are off screen. It's all right, Spectrum are going to save us. What did he yeah. say? <laughs> we organised a systematic search of the whole white, very much against currency. Yeah. So far, no sign of a Mr. on booby trap. Yeah, so we have green, brown, red, green, blue, brown, Indigo. several light blues. Captain Indigo. Uh, presumably, bomb, yes, when they lose a captain, they take the bulb out. Yeah. And that's that. National Bank. I don't pretend to understand why, but if they do succeed, I don't want any of our men hurt in the explosion. Not even you. Captain <laughs> Oh, yes, here comes his big scene, I think, for this episode. We've mentioned he is a, a fan of roadblocks. Yeah, deck standing around with his loaded yeah. gun. <laughs> a roadblock. Better ease up. Right. It's a spectrum roadblock. We'll have to be careful. Spectrum yeah, crack security professionals, old Spectrum. We won't get anything past them. We'll get through. <laughs> there he <laughs> is. Will. You could have run him over <laughs> yes. easily. It really wouldn't matter. You're standing in front of the sign that says halt. <laughs> so they couldn't have read it. Zero one X two three eight. Well, do roadblocks? Is putting up a sign ahead of the roadblock saying "slow down"? There's a roadblock yeah. coming up. Is that standard procedure? I don't know. You would expect people to just turn around and head back the way yeah. they were coming, but... Oh, there he is. There the shades is. of Captain Magenta. There's the money shot up. for the That's whole series. That's the point where you go, this man should have his own show. Yes. And the fact it's so redundant as well, because, okay, he's got the cap microphone, yeah. but presumably the radio, what they hear would have to come through the hat anyway. Yes. Uh, this... I don't think this is standard Spectrum equipment. I think this is a, a private project. This is Captain Magenta's gone. I want to look so cool. Yes. And Magenta, uh, Ogre's just far too polite to uh, point, <laughs> out, point out the obvious. Two are negative, Captain Magenta. I'm checking on the third. 
<sighs> and yeah, Ochre is you know, a nothing of a character, but he's a uh, he's competent for the most part. Yes. Um, I suppose anybody would look competent when stationed next to uh, Magenta here. Okay, they've also got the ID of government agents. Yep. I wonder if they need to do this whole Mr. On thing at all. They could have... You've got yeah. presumably faked ID or not. Yeah, because Spectrum are now going to know from the lookout there are three men. Yeah. Oh, here are three men. Does this tally? No, no, because they're clear to proceed. Thanks, Captain. We'll manage. At least didn't like shoot them. <laughs> eager to do. Oh dear. Well, I've got to hand it to you, Kruger. You were smooth. He even told us they had pulled all their men back. And I think this is a scene where the puppets are being worked from below, possibly. There's no strings coming out the tops of those heads, which is, yes. again, something else you can only really see on, on Blu-ray. It's interesting, yeah, I suppose the plot here being, we pretend to be mistrons, tell them what the target is, and bank on the fact they all evacuate the area. Yeah. As opposed to, I would have thought, increase security. Mm. Like, evacuate citizens. Uh, oh, Ken Black. Hello. Yeah. Hi, Ken Black. Oh, it's, a, uh, it's a lovely reveal for it. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> this is sweet as well. They've articulated the model. Just oh. away. Just away with oh. around. Captain Scarlet, Captain Blue. Mm. Three men were reported heading this way. for your job, Magenta. <laughs> yes, we let them pass about 15 minutes ago. You did what? Let them pass. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Ons had changed the oh, he's beautiful. authorization to enter. You Government agents, eh? Yes. And here it is. How did they know about the Mr. On change of plan? Uh-oh. That information was only circulated to Spectrum personnel. You're right. It's beginning... <laughs> I told them by accident. I knew I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> Mr. Ons, the fire lookout, saw in the crash. But they were checked out by the detector. This is why we need Scarlet on, yes, on everything. And it is one of those things, again, where you, you think this is a global security organisation with a yes. lot of things to defend and they only ever send one or two guys. It's like, it seems that International Rescue rely upon one agent, Lady Penelope, yes. to investigate everything. No matter where it is, it's like, we've got a hillbilly in the area already, <laughs> yes. but we'll send Lady Penelope and as well. Even when stuff is happening on the hillbilly's doorstep, oh yeah. no, no, we'll, we'll put Penelope in there. I mean, I wonder if, a certain extent, they're assuming Spectrum won't guard the bank because in the future we've moved beyond caring about money. Maybe. But, I, I don't know. It, there's a good germ of an idea here. Like yeah. Some criminals would tend to be misterons for a plan of their own. That's mm. a nice, juicy idea. That's a good concept. The actual plotting, I've always... I remember this on the episodes, even when I watched it the first time as a kid, I thought, I don't... Don't understand why how this works. And all the elements are in place to keep the story as is. It's just sort of the people's motivations. Yeah. People seem to be doing the exact opposite of what a real person would do. Um, we saw earlier there um, Captain Black with a bit of a smile on his face. Yeah, he's uh, looking forward to this gig. <laughs> I don't know if that's a repaint of the original human Captain Black head or if they made a smiling face yeah. when they made smiling faces for all the other yeah. characters. Because they would have been, there, there's the smile yeah, look, again. Yeah, yeah. He, he is having a lovely time he's, this week. He's been looking forward to this. Yeah. It's almost worth the, the plan not making any sense for the fact that he is having a good oh, time. Yeah. He doesn't always get that. What a wonderfully sinister figure this Captain Black is. Mm. Just as a character. Yeah. 
brilliant model. And the fact that he's one of our own as well. He's the fallen angel, essentially. Well, yeah, in the first episode, where it's like a close-up of him in the car before he's, like, transmogrified, and then the next shot and suddenly he's zombified. It's yeah. a terrifying cut. Close-up on the face, Absolutely. Yeah. It's not like we do a merge. It's just, like, cut to one, cut to the next, and he's suddenly... Mm. And it's very frightening. And the fact that it's never explained as well. Perfect. Now we just need to dress as Santa Claus. <laughs> Dog, get a drill, yes. <laughs> I've forgotten about that, oh my goodness. Okay, but you must call me Santa. <laughs> oh. Oh. Yeah, I, I suppose they had a lot of um, bank vault money and such yeah. left over from yeah, the, 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 Thunderbirds a, Christmas. There's a little old man in there, quietly <laughs> suffocating. Oh, thank you. Oh, international rescue. You are Earthman. Oh. The greed that brought you here will cost you dearly. Good line. Yes, he's been thinking about that one. Will be destroyed, and you with it. So they made up the idea that the bank was the Mr. on Target, yeah. and it turns out that it was the Mr. on Target. Yes. I, I, I still think it's probably just the Mr. on are like, you know what? Let's just yeah. have a go at these three guys. This is a holiday for the Mr. Yeah. this week. You go, let's just kick back. Captain Black's having a great time. And the fact that we've, you know, crippled New York's economy, yeah. that's just a, that's a, a minor plus. He didn't even need to kill anyone this week. He just had to no. walk into a bank and shut a door. <laughs> like, easy. Yeah. Very dirty buildings. Look, there's a car. I love all these city streets, yeah, though, the, the detail here. Absolutely, right. like, good, good goods cost less, I think I saw that. Yes. There's the Go Gay shop in London. Uh, yes. <laughs> which I don't think reappears in New York, but I like, yeah, I like seeing the, uh, the shop names reappear. Guy fabric. There's actually a pro-smoking sign on that <laughs> building oh. back there, yeah. It's cut out of a newspaper and stuck on the wall. Oh, here we go. Suspect Captain Black is driving. Make sure he does not escape. Don't worry, Captain Blue. He won't get through here. <laughs> won't he? Two minutes later. Yeah. <laughs> fire everywhere. Oh, dear. This is the voice of the yeah, Who else would it be? Come on. Ahead, and a spectrum saloon. Yeah, he's one of those puppets that looks good from, from any angle. Absolutely. There's so much going on with and that yet, face. He's happy, he's not smiling anymore. They've really no, gone back to no. an angry face. He's uh, oh, he's cornered now. No escape. Yeah. And I think this is the, the moment they introduce the let's teleport black out of danger yeah. thing. Which I was never mad keen on, but you know. Yeah, and also the car. I can't remember, does this happen? Again or frequently? In Model Spy, yeah, the oh, French yes. police have got the tunnel. I remember, yes, uh, absolutely. Off. And I think the, 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 the target sees them disappear. Yes. Yes. I think that's the only other time it it's, happens. It's awkward because it's one of those powers which once you've introduced it, you think, why don't they do that more often? Mm. Yeah. It, it actually closes off more stories than it opens. Yeah. When they're already so powerful. He's vanished like a ghost. I think... The Mysterons have to... powers we cannot hope to understand. I suppose Colonel not. White yeah. said that to me once. <laughs> oh, oh God, I forgot! <laughs> There's still three guys in I there. I forgot this. I thought they were going to get rescued. I forgot, no. <laughs> I forgot what show we were watching. <laughs> oh, yeah, if it oh, were no. Thunderbirds, <laughs> they would be saved no matter what. I'd be surprised. <laughs> I thought they were going to... How could I save those men? No. I thought they'd been killed. <laughs> Now that the full story has emerged, we see how the... You look too casual. Oh, he does. Magenta doesn't Magenta. get a chair. We don't have enough chairs. He's on the naughty stool in the corner. <laughs> Said they would, the heart of oh. New York. But this is always a nice touch to end with the, the happy Colonel White speech. Typical of mankind. 
whom I believe to be basically good. Oh, oh yeah, good. basically good. Convinced of our ultimate victory against the Mysterons. Hey, see, he doesn't care about money or banks. No. He has an ultimately very rosy view of humankind. I think that's a lovely message. Yeah, it's very positive. Well, David, thank you so oh, much for sitting through by. part Lord. of New York with me. I know they do, don't they? It's when you're constantly seeing you know, interesting little details oh, yeah. and such. And, of course, as you say, there's a lot to go through here story-wise. Absolutely, but the, but can't take away from that the, 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 again, the commitment to craft, mm -hmm. the model work, the voice acting, yep. the suspense, the tension, the, 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 the pace. That did just fly oh, by. Oh, Tony Barwick, there Tony, we go. I, mean, I might you know, have a bit of a laugh at the, 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 the plotting's a bit, but that's a top-notch production. Absolutely, yeah, through and through. Yeah. And there's there's very few episodes of not only Scarlet, but most of the Super Marionation shows where you can't say, you know, as mad as the premise might be, yeah. or even the story, you, you never get the sense that everyone isn't really giving it their all. Absolutely, and the idea at the end that, and actually, the, 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 you know, our, our guys did get blown up in a bank there. Like, yes. thought, oh, it's just the Mistrons. Oh no, they were, they were not innocent lives as such, but didn't deserve to get blown no. up. And the fact that you don't see them at the end, it's just, oh yeah, and then this happened, bang. Bang. That's, <sighs> again, surprising. Children's program, yeah. surprising. A lot going on there. Yeah, it's incredible stuff. Uh, uh, even after oh, 57, 58 Absolutely. years. It still holds up. I think it always will. David, thank you ever so Lovely. much for joining us. Thank you. Heart of New York. Heart of New York, terrific. Boom, 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 boom. Oh, I missed out a head turn. That's really complicated. You can make it work. Boom, 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 boom. But then I end up not looking you at you. You should have started at the camera. Boom, 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 boom. Oh, but I should be looking at that camera. This is needlessly complicated. Anyway, what I'm trying to say, it was, it was Captain Scarlet. It's amazing. That, that really dynamic yeah. uh, spectrum beat yeah. thing yeah. Uh, has never been so tedious uh, <laughs> as you made it just then. Uh, but you know, Captain Scarlet is always good value. Yes, of course it is. Many people's favourite show. Oh, uh, yes. Beyond... Many others not their favourite. Well, course. yes, but I mean, it's, under, it's often seen as a bit darker. A lot darker. Yes. So and much death. The puppets' sort of head size were different, which... Some people seem to appreciate more than others. Chris loves it. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, as we saw. Uh, excellent. Uh, more Randomizer next week. Yes. More David Barnes next week. More Chris Dale next week. More Fab Fact next week. More Jerry Anderson Podcast next week. Uh, more Podstrons. Uh, most importantly. More, more, more of everything. Excellent. So will, will I, we see you then? I can't wait. Oh, you'll be back, will you? Uh, if, if that's allowed. More Jamie Anderson. Let's get started. Let's go. Spectrum is green. It's amazing. Neither of us have yet to miss. I was I yeah. was thinking that the other yeah. day. Yeah, we've come close a couple of times. Because I we? was abroad when that yes. Alaska Airlines yes. thing with the 737 Max when the side blew up. Yes, and that's I, right. I was, there was a bit where we were thinking, well, how many aircraft are going to be grounded? Wow. Then I wouldn't be able to get back Imagine. to Pod 292. That's right. Would that have been weird? Would, um, it, would it have been better? Might have turned things around a bit, really. Yeah. Might have given us a breath of fresh air. Better shake things up a bit. Yeah. Terrifying. Yeah. If you could replace me, yeah, 
with any host. Oh. You can choose anyone. Anyone, okay. Yeah, a, a, a anyone at all. Um, dead or alive. Dead or alive. <clears throat> uh, Alan Carr. Alan Carr. <laughs> yeah. That's I think we'd work really well together. Fa- it's fascinating that you'd go for Alan Carr. <laughs> yeah, what, what, what made you I just think, think Alan uh, Carr? He'd bring a bit more gravitas to it <clears throat> than you do. More gravitas, yeah. right, okay. <laughs> I think but, uh, more knowledge of the Anderverse as well, of course. Yeah, that's yeah. right, yeah. And just an all-round nicer person, I think. Yeah. I'll see what I can do. That's fair. You just planted the seed of an idea there. Yeah. Also, I can do an Alan Carr impression, but we'll leave that for another day. I can't wait. Let's hear it in pod 295. <laughs> There's a reason to come back. Bye. Bye. That was an Anderson Entertainment production.